This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It seems like just yesterday, but also at the same time, an eternity ago. Canadians stop to remember one year after the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. Plus... Stormy weather cancels ferries and knocks out power to thousands and... There's a lot of um, drug paraphernalia around and people have witnessed drug deals going down. Complaints about drugs and crime at another homeless camp, this time in Richmond. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Colleen Christie. Thanks for joining us. Today marks one year since a tragedy broke hearts around the world and united Canadians in grief from coast to coast to coast. A bus carrying the Humboldt Broncos hockey team crashed in Saskatchewan, killing 16 and injuring 13. Late this afternoon, the country paused to remember the lives lost suddenly and far too soon. Aaron MacArthur begins our coverage. Dana Bronze. Tyler Bieber. The names read aloud, bringing an impossible year to a close. Families of the 29 people on board the Humboldt Broncos bus coming to grips with their loss, figuring out what to do next. Some changes, almost unrecognizable. It happens over so long a period of time and some of it comes up and kicks us in the guts and we lose our breath and and, uh, change is just by nature that way. The collision April 6th, 2018, tore a hole in the heart of Humboldt across the country It was even felt around the world. Saturday in the arena where the young men stitched a community together, the grief was not forgotten. It never will be. But it is less raw than it was. Legacy means having hope. Hope that those no longer here will never be forgotten and those who remain will heal and be able to carry on. The one-year anniversary is meant to give everyone the permission to move forward in life with the blessings of our loved ones. We will now observe a moment of silence as we... Beyond the sadness, a chance to thank everyone who offered support over the last year. Humboldt and the Broncos hockey team have now become a part of the fabric of this nation. We will forever be grateful for the prayers, the sticks on the porch, the jerseys worn, green ribbons tied, and quilts sewn. We will also be thankful for the thousands of letters, cards, poems, songs, artwork, and banners sent. And Global's Heather Urex-West joins us now live from Humboldt, Saskatchewan. Heather, obviously a, a lot of people struggling with their emotions during that service. Absolutely. It has been a difficult day in this community. Of about 6,000 people, you'd really be hard-pressed to find anyone 
that isn't struggling today. There's just so much grief coming right back to the surface, bringing people right back to that day one year ago, which is why the city felt it was so important to have a public memorial service so that everyone could be together today to remember, but to also have hope for the future. And hope really is the theme of an event that's happening tomorrow as well. April 7th is the uh, one-year anniversary of the death of Logan Boulay. One of the Bronco players died the day after the crash in hospital. And on that day, he was able to save and change the lives of a number of people by donating his organs. Green Shirt Day honours that gift. Uh, tomorrow, everyone is being asked to wear a green shirt in honour of Logan Boulay to raise awareness for organ donation. And it's also being... Um, a great opportunity for those that haven't yet done so to register to become an organ donor. Colleen? All right, Heather, thank you so much for that. Well, it was a frustrating day for many people on the south coast with high winds causing blackouts and delayed travel. BC Ferries was forced to cancel a number of sailings today, including several between Horseshoe Bay and Departure Bay, as well as Campbell River to Quadra Island. A wind warning was issued for parts of Vancouver Island with gusts clocked at up to 70 kilometres an hour. Passengers could only cool their heels until the winds died down. At its height, some 10,000 people were up without power on southern Vancouver Island and on the Gulf Islands. Meteorologist Yvonne Shaw joins us with a look at what happened today, Yvonne. Yes, the winds ramped up this morning. The wind warnings have now ended. But a look at some of the numbers and what we did see. These are the peak wind gusts and some of the timestamps. Out of the airport, we had a gust of over 60 kilometers per hour, similar for areas near Victoria. Areas near Powell River and along the Sunshine Coast saw those gusts just over 70 kilometers per hour and some from some of the video footage we can see very windy conditions and a quick glance of what it looked like in Nanaimo where the winds were gusting over 60 kilometers per hour. Here's our current winds and what we're seeing we're just at uh, sustained at 28 out of Howe Sound. Comox still seeing gusts of up to 41 kilometers per hour. The wind warning has ended. It'll be a much calmer day. Still a few showers to track along the south coast. That coming up very shortly. Colleen? All right. Thanks Yvonne. The city of Richmond is struggling to deal with a growing tent camp. A small group of homeless people moved into the Hamilton neighborhood over the winter. As Jill Bennett reports, neighbors concerned about drug use and crime say the encampment needs to go because it's close to a daycare and community center. These tents were set up next to Westminster Highway in the Hamilton neighborhood of Richmond a few months ago. It's right across from a daycare and they're out there using the field as a bathroom. Nearby residents say since the camp has been here, there has been an increase in crime and discarded drug paraphernalia. What we have witnessed at this camp is the illegal activity, whether it's drugs, whether it's starting fire, whether it's, you know, stolen goods on the ground. I hate being here. Like, this is the worst thing I ever... Elaine is one of six people who moved here after the home they were renting in New Westminster was torn down. She says they have enough money to pay about $2,200 a month rent, but can't find housing. I never ever wanted to be here, but I just can't believe how hard it is to find a place. We just want a house. That's all we want is a house that we can rent. I think the police were saying they, they're coming by a couple of times a day. You guys aren't seeing any police presence? or On Saturday, concerned residents met with their MLA, saying they understand people need housing rather than shelter, but they're also concerned this camp could grow and lead to issues similar to those in Maple Ridge around Anita Place. We cannot allow these tents to start popping up throughout Richmond and other communities as well. If it's a housing issue, let's find them housing, but if it's more than that, we want to see greater police presence here, more firefighters here, and more bylaw officers here to deal with this issue. 
In a statement, the city says it is closely monitoring the site, and while there is still some garbage on the ground, steps have been taken to clean it up. Until those in the tents find housing, though, Richmond Fire Rescue will visit the camp twice a week, ensuring fire safety measures are being followed. Jill Bennett, Global News. A small crowd of housing activists gathered at Burnaby's Metrotown station this afternoon to protest demovictions. The event was organized to show solidarity with housing activists in Berlin, Germany, who took to the streets today to protest surging rents. Protesters are demanding the expropriation of more than 200,000 apartments sold off to big private landlords, which they blame for changing the character of the German capital. Our message is pretty simple. If people get together and build solidarity uh, beyond borders, uh, we have a chance to stop evictions. We're hearing tonight from a Surrey man who witnessed a possible robbery last month. And as Julia Foy reports, he's now surprised to learn that incident may be tied to a man charged with arson at Langara College earlier this week. When new charges were announced Friday against the suspect in the Langara campus arson attacks, it drew the attention of one Surrey man. Oh, I was blown away. Gord Fletcher was enjoying a sunny afternoon near Knight and 49th on March 26th when he allegedly saw a student getting robbed. came flying from behind him and just grabbed his backpack off his back and took off with it. Fletcher says when the two men fought, the victim was knocked down. He came to his aid and called police with a suspect description. But Friday, he made a chilling discovery, which connects the robbery to the Langara arson suspect, 23-year-old Nasruddin Abduza Ahmad Ali. It's alleged that Ali approached another student from Langara College in the area of 53rd and Fleming Street in Vancouver. As our investigators were working up the file to get the appropriate information to provide to Crown Counsel, the April 1st incident occurred. Ali is now charged with one count of robbery and assault, in addition to being charged with one count of arson in relation to an inhabited property and one count of possession of an incendiary device. Fletcher hopes his action helped the investigation. Well, that's kind of cool if I, if I was able to help out um, and it, you know, just reaffirm my uh, belief that if you see something happening, uh, you know, say something. Don't let, just let it happen. Ali is due back in court April 10th. Julia Foy, Global News. A Burnaby man has been charged in, with assault in connection with the alleged groping of a seven-year-old girl on Skytrain. 57-year-old Anthony Dennis Gulbranson turned himself in after Transit Police released surveillance video of the suspect in the alleged February 2nd incident. Investigators say the suspect made several lewd and vulgar comments detailing sex acts he wanted to engage in with the young girl who had boarded SkyTrain with her mother at Commercial Broadway Station. He's then accused of touching the girl's buttocks before getting off the train in Burnaby. A charge of sexual interference was recommended, but an assault charge was approved. He's set to appear in court on Tuesday. An explosion at a Surrey townhouse complex has left a half a dozen people temporarily homeless. It happened at Guilford Mews just after noon today. Firefighters were called after reports of a blast near 152nd and 105 Avenue. Crews discovered small fires in the basement of one of the townhomes. That's where they believe a 20-pound propane tank exploded. 
No one was hurt, but six residents of four units will need to find alternative accommodations. Police are investigating how and why the propane tank exploded. A man was injured in an apparent carjacking in Kelowna this morning. Emergency crews were called to an intersection at Glenmore Road at about 11 o'clock after a man was found lying in the middle of the road. Police have confirmed they're looking for the man's truck, a gray or white pickup, possibly a 2005 model. The man was taken to hospital with undetermined injuries. A health warning tonight about a growing outbreak of salmonella that's made more than 60 people sick right across the country, including nearly two dozen right here in B.C. 23 lab-confirmed cases of salmonella have been reported in the province over the past four months. So far, health officials do not know the source of the outbreak. Of the 63 Canadians who have fallen ill, 18 have been hospitalized. Two people have died, but it's not clear if salmonella was a contributing factor in their deaths. More than half of the patients are women. Most people fully recovered after a few days. Fisheries and Oceans Canada is asking for your help to determine who illegally dumped more than 250 Dungeness crabs in northern B.C. They were found off Highway 16 between Morristown and Hazelton near China Creek. The Fisheries Act bans the waste of any fish that is suitable for human consumption. It's believed the crabs may have come from the Prince Rupert area and may be linked to ongoing illegal fish sales on the north coast. BC Place is apologizing to Whitecaps fans after stepping up security measures caused some of them to miss the start of the game last night. Fans are now being screened with handheld metal detectors as they enter the stadium. The new security measures apply to all Whitecaps games, live concerts and other events at the venue. Anyone heading to BC Place is advised to arrive early to get through the gates on time. If the metal detector does activate, fans will have to pass a secondary screening before being granted access. Some good news for commuters. Parts of a new overpass designed to help ease congestion on the North Shore are opening this weekend. Crews are putting the finishing touches on the Mountain Highway overpass in North Vancouver. Southbound drivers are already using the new overpass today, while a northbound lane will open tomorrow morning. The changes are part of the Highway 1 Lower Lynn Improvement Project, there's a mouthful, which aims to significantly reduce commute times. Hollywood North is booming. The Vancouver Economic Condition Commission rather, is predicting the local film and TV industry will spend more than $4 billion this year, which is a record. And as Nadia Stewart reports, the industry says it can't hire experienced workers fast enough. Do it like you. One of the latest award-winning productions to emerge from a city whose reach in the industry has become universal. Vancouver Film School grads were behind Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The Sony Pictures Imageworks film was an Oscar winner. And just more evidence of how the industry here is reaching new heights by way of companies both big and small. These entrepreneurial and younger companies in things like VR, AR and eSports that are really keeping our uh, city thriving in the creative and technical economy. 
The Vancouver Economic Commission predicts the local TV and film industry will generate $4 billion this year, and that doesn't include the economic spin-off industries like tourism. We'll see. I wish we had more talent because... Vancouver Economic Commission's Executive Director of Media and Entertainment, Nancy Bassey, says demand for talent in graphic design, animation, video game development, and film and TV is relentless. Fueling this weekend's job fair, where over 3,000 workers are vying for about 400 jobs. Because without the talent, um, you can't get the job done. The tax credits are great and it's a great incentive, but you have to have the talent. And even though competition can be stiff. All industries are competitive and it's booming right now and there's a lot of opportunities for anyone who's trying to uh, get into it right now. We're competing with people that want to be in, people that are already in. The hope is locally trained talent can make their mark here. Expanding the growing web of talented professionals one production at a time. Not like Stark Global News. How? The Vancouver Convention Center is erupting with noise this weekend. The Sea to Sky International Cheerleading Championships are center stage until Sunday. Young teams from across Canada are competing from 7 in the morning until 9 at night with routines on the floor every four minutes. Organized by All Things Cheer and Dance, participants hope cheerleading will be recognized as a full Olympic sport. Their goal? The 2024 Olympics. When parents first put their child in it, they see their child come out of their shell. They become more confident. They learn leadership skills that schools can't necessarily teach because it has to come from within. But kids can become anything when they are confident in themselves. And this sport helps young boys and girls just really believe in themselves. Good for them. Some unplanned drama in Whistler today. A skier fell from a chairlift and it was all caught on camera. A global viewer captured the moment a 70-year-old woman had to jump from the Emerald Express chairlift. She apparently was brushing off snow from the seat when she slipped. Her husband managed to hold on to her. The chair was stopped and other skiers, Whistler staff and the ski patrol, held on to the net that she jumped into. She wasn't hurt, but it's believed one person was hit in the head by one of her skis. Oops. Phew. More dangerous than the actual uh, hill. I know. I was actually just surprised to see people are still skiing, which, of course, <laughs> you can ski until May up sure. in Whistler Blackcomb, right? Yes, and we can see snow from that video, too, today, which is nice. Yeah. Rain here, snow in the Alpine. <laughs> Beautiful up there. Yes, very nice out there. Not so much here. Not so much here. Uh, we are actually seeing uh, some unsettled conditions uh, this evening and for the morning hours on Sunday. A look at the satellite and radar, and we're tracking a few thunderstorms that are working its way across the island. We have the potential to see that across Metro Vancouver this evening and then it is going to ease off. But for the morning hours, if you have plans and you're up early on your Sunday morning, we could still see a chance of showers. It'll start to brighten up and be much drier for the afternoon. And of course, I'll have your full long-range forecast to look ahead towards next week coming up. Okie doke. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Barry. Well, the Canucks season is officially over. 82 games in the books. Uh, Elias Pettersson scored the first goal of the year, if you remember, back in Calgary, or against Calgary here, and he scored the last goal of the year for the Canucks. They lost 3-2 in a shootout, played quite well, ended up climbing up the standings, which is not great for their draft selection because they got the uh, loser point against the Blues. But highlights of that, and a look back to the Whitecaps, who are still kind of having a miserable start uh, to their season. Another loss last night to uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and the uh, LA Galaxy. Mm -hmm.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. More than 10,000 protesters gathered at Queen's Park in Toronto today, rallying against the Ontario government's planned cuts to education. As Matthew Matthew Bingley reports, even as Premier Doug Ford says he won't back down, the protesters say neither will they. School may be out for the weekend, but thousands upon thousands assembled in front of the Ontario legislature. We do have some students that need some close attention and need extra supports, and those supports do come with extra costs. We send a message to Doug Ford that we need to stand together, and we are together, and we need it cannot cut teachers or educational support. At issue, the progressive conservatives' changes to the education system, which include the elimination of nearly 3,500 teaching jobs over four years and increasing high school class sizes from 22 to 28 students. The government argues the overhaul is necessary because Ontario high schools have one of the lowest student-to-teacher ratios in the country. The ratios we have over the last number of years have led to significantly improved graduation rates. So we have graduation rates now in the mid to high 80s that were down in the low 60s the last time there was a Conservative government in power. This rally comes mere days after thousands of high school students walked out of class in protest. Premier Doug Ford accused organizers like Natalie Moore of being union pawns. It's insulting, honestly, um, that they, you know, don't think that students are capable of, you know, making something of this scale. Ford is already vowing to forge ahead, tweeting, Our government will not be distracted from making the necessary reforms to create a sustainable, world-class education system that protects what matters most for students. Opposition leader Andrea Horvath says it doesn't matter how Ford feels. These thousands and thousands and thousands of of people that are here uh, are saying with one strong voice, back off. Even as the rally waned, the crowd continued to swell. A sign this fight is far from over. Matthew Bingley, Global News. A chaotic scene in Seattle on Friday. Two people had to be rescued when a strong gust of wind knocked over two dozen power poles. The poles crushed the SUV the two were driving, trapping them for more than an hour. In all, 24 poles came down. One person was taken to hospital with minor injuries. More than 16,000 people were left without power for several hours. It'll take days to clean up the mess. French explorer Jean-Michel Cousteau has arrived at a facility in Russia where nearly 100 whales have been held captive in cages for several months. President Vladimir Putin has now weighed in on the case, and now authorities are demanding they be released. The 11 orcas and 87 beluga whales are being held in what are called cruel conditions. They were intended for sale to aquariums and Chinese buyers. There's now hope the animals will be set free, but the problem of how to release them unharmed has caused delays, so the animals remain in the enclosures. The Russian media has nicknamed the cages whale prisons. 
Egyptian authorities unveiled a newly discovered burial site showing seven tombs belonging to a family south of Cairo that could date back to 350 B.C. The mummified bodies of more than 50 men, women and children, along with various animals, line the inner walls of each tomb. Paintings inside were almost fully preserved, among other objects such as tools used for lighting. In health matters, it's common practice for doctors to regularly monitor the health of professional athletes. Makes sense, right? But what if your field of play is a screen? It turns out some professional video game players also require monitoring by medical staff. How many points of shots have? This may not look like an intense practice session for professional athletes. Pull up, pull up. But it is. Even though it is a video game, it's still pretty um, draining, like physically and mentally. Reed Hill, known in the gamer world as Reezy, is with Magic Gaming, Orlando's professional NBA 2K League. Even though players spend all day sitting, they're getting special attention from doctors at Orlando Health. They practice for 8 to 10 hours a day. And if they don't have a strong core, both their front and their back, they're setting themselves up for injuries. Injuries like carpal tunnel syndrome, tendinitis, even problems with their elbows, neck and back. You just have to stay focused for such a long period of time. The popularity of esports has skyrocketed in recent years, predicted to reach a global audience of more than 500 million by 2021. Nice. It's a lot of pressure for young gamers. Mental health care is just as important as physical health care. A lot of them don't really know how to deal with the stress. They know if they don't win, they may be out of their job. They may, this may be their only shot. We've been working hard and we think that work will pay off. Work that will keep their head in the game and their bodies in tip-top gaming shape. Erica Edwards, NBC News. An elementary school in the U.S. has thrown a surprise parade to celebrate their beloved custodian's 80th birthday. Mr. Hazel has been working at Pike Elementary School in Georgia for 13 years. So students and teachers decided to do something extra special to surprise him on his birthday. More than 750 students and staff lined the halls for his birthday parade. Mr. Hayes, as he's known, says he could retire, but he doesn't want to. He says he likes to keep busy and he loves the kids. The video of the birthday parade has gone viral all over the world. And no doubt about it. What an honor. I can't imagine still working at 80, but uh, good for him for doing that. Obviously a job he loves, Yvonne. Yes, and those kids are adorable. They must just love him. Yeah, for They sure. really do. All right. We'll switch gears to the forecast. A bit gray today. Very windy through the morning. It is easing off, though, for many areas. And we are going to be tracking some instability still for this evening and breaks for the latter half. And I'll have more in just a moment. A glance at our temperatures. We're sitting at 11 degrees with a southeasterly wind at 24 kilometers per hour. Here are some of the current winds and also the gusts. Out of the airport, though, we're still seeing gusts of up to 35 kilometers per hour. Areas near Comox, closer to 40, and it's windy for Howe Sound with a sustained wind at 39 kilometers per hour. Our temperatures today up to 14 near Kamloops, the piece a cooler one at 4. Prince Rupert today up to 13 degrees, and Victoria with the double digits at 11. Now, we are tracking that active weather right across the island. 
and that moisture is going to push in for Metro Vancouver. But we're just seeing that gap right now. We've got chance for some showers, even if the risk of a thunderstorm will be embedded. That'll be for the evening hours. And with the system from the south, we're still seeing a chance of showers for tomorrow morning. And then much drier come the afternoon. With the return for some sunny breaks, areas into the interior, we'll see a fair bit of cloud cover for tomorrow. So tomorrow morning, a chance of showers, much drier come the afternoon. The next wave of moisture, however, will be for a Monday, and that'll be across the interior, where we could see some rain and heavy at times. For the peace, we are up to 11 degrees, a southwesterly wind at 20 kilometers per hour. Whitehorse could see a few flurries just for the morning, a partly cloudy sky late in the day. Along the north coast, unsettled with on and off showers over the next three days. Caribou and Central Interior, sunny breaks tomorrow, bumping up to 9 degrees. Most areas near the Columbia and Kootenai will see on and off showers. Temperatures up to 7, below your average that typically sits at 14. And areas near the Thompson Okanagan, a few breaks in there. But then the bulk of the moisture is going to be pushing in on Monday and rebounding for your Tuesday. Areas near Whistler up to 7 tomorrow, much drier in the afternoon with a mainly cloudy sky. And along the island, the winds have eased off, but we are going to be still tracking a chance of showers for tomorrow morning and then breaks towards the afternoon. Five-day forecast tomorrow, so for the morning hours, showers by the afternoon, it should break up. Temperatures will bump up to 13, quite pleasant. Unsettled for back to work and school on our Monday with a high of 11 degrees. And the sunshine will make an appearance once again on our Tuesday. Colleen? As long as there's a sun in there somewhere. Thanks, Yvonne. All right. A boy from Quebec is embarking on an incredible journey. He'll be going shoulder to shoulder with some of the best young golfers in North America at the drive, chip and putt finals in Augusta, Georgia. And as you're about to see, his journey is no accident. Andy Mack is about to live out his dream. So it makes me believe, you know, I feel the same thing he's feeling, you know, because he's my son. He's, he's this is my driver. His mother only has one word for how she feels. Proud. Andy is heading to Augusta, Georgia now, the home of the Masters. He's the only Quebecer in a field of 80 golfers participating in the Drive, Chip and Putt Finals, an international skills competition for elite golfers. I have a five wood right here. His mom tells us the secret to his success. He starts really young. Young as in three years old. These days he practices four hours a day in the summer, two hours a day in the winter. He says he perfected his swing this past winter. To commit to my shot and think positive that you're going to hit it well. So. His skills don't stop there either. And he speaks four languages, French and English, but also Spanish that he learned from his Salvadoran mother and his father's language, Vietnamese. All of this hard work is translating into a trip to the world's most famous golf course. His mother's advice? Have fun, enjoy that moment, and make some dreams come true. From front? The competition tees off on Sunday. But for Andy, he's hoping this is the first of many trips to the Augusta National Golf Course. Billy Shields, Global News, Candiac. The search for fresh Olympic talent is underway, Barry, in Richmond. I think. There we go. (laughs) Olympic officials were at the Richmond Oval scouting for young athletes with raw talent who couldn't reach for gold. Local athletes had the opportunity to test their strength, speed, power and endurance in a bid to impress talent scouts. Olympians were also on hand to offer future sporting stars tips and advice. The Metro Vancouver event is one of more than 30 happening across the country this year. 
So the athletes come in and we run them through speed, power, strength and endurance exercises, giving them feedback on their physical performances and trying our best to link them either with sports they're existing in from an athlete identification perspective or even potentially transfer athletes from a sport into a new sport that they've never tried before. Were you going to be an Olympian? Uh, in my mind, I was. But yeah. I was going to say, that is a really good, smart program. They've actually found uh, sports like bobsled, I think some of the track sports that, uh, you know, some, some athletes are so great. They, if they put them in the right spot, they can, you know, they can uh, excel regardless if they have had experience at it. So exactly. it's very smart, and that's why we're getting more medals no, at great. Olympics. Yeah. It's great. All right, we're going to talk some hockey this Okay. Time. Thanks, uh, Colleen. Well, the Canucks season is officially in the books. Went by fast. They played Game 82 in St. Louis this afternoon. This was a game that actually meant a lot to the Blues, who still have a chance to finish first in the Central Division. St. Louis has had the best record in the NHL since January 2nd, literally going from last overall to a chance to win their division. Canucks beginning the day with the... Eighth worst record in the NHL. They could move past Anaheim with a win, but that would just make for a lower draft pick. First period, Blues on the rush, and it's Braden Shen wristing it past Thatcher Demko. one nothing Blues. Of course, Shen's older brother Luke, now a member of the Canuck defensive corps. They went to a Cardinals game yesterday in St. Louis together. Late first Canuck power play, Brock Besser. Nice rush, but Jordan Bennington who's uh, challenging Pedersen for the Rookie of the Year award, makes the save. Then Pedersen hammers Billington or Bennington with the uh, one-timer. Referee asked if he was okay. They did not stop playing. Moments later, it's a goal by Tanner Pearson. You wonder if that uh, knock to the head had any factor, but it was a good move by Pearson, who's been great. Nine goals in 19 games with the Canucks. Vancouver kept coming. Besser with a chance off the feed from rookie Brogan Rafferty, but it stays 1-1. But the Blues on the power play mid-third and Vladimir Tarasenko. Bullet wrister there is 33rd. Made it 2-1 St. Louis and they could have had another but Demko is outstanding. Ivan Barbashev robbed there. Demko has been impressive his past half dozen starts. Late third, Canuck power play and it's Elias Pettersson with the one-timer past Bennington. His 28th goal, 66th point. 2-2 heading to overtime. Pedersen scored the first goal of the year for the Canucks, and, well, he ended up getting the last one. In overtime, Braden Shen on the breakaway. Demko, though, another big save. I like the way he played today. 34 saves. Shootout now, already one for the Blues, and they add another. David Perron going five holes, so Brock Besser has to score to keep the Canucks in it, and he is stopped. So the Canucks lose 3-2 in the shootout. They finish with 81 points. They actually hop over Anaheim, so they're now ninth last in overall standings. Blues keeping their hopes alive to finish first in the Central. And Nashville battling the Blues and Winnipeg on the final day for first in the Central. Preds beat Chicago tonight. They win the division, but already 1-0 Hawks. Patrick Kane, great setup for the former Oiler Drake Kajula. 2-0 Chicago. Kane, 110 points on the season, third in the NHL. And local hockey fans, look at this. Former Penticton V and Coquitlam boy Dante Fabro with his first NHL goal. It's a great shot, too. 2-1 right now. Hawks in the second. Jets play Arizona tonight. They're still in the hunt as well. Women's World Hockey Championships from Finland. Canada versus the USA in round-robin action. Americans come out flying. Hillary Knight converting the 2-1-1. Tips it past to Emirates Nashmeyer in the Canadian goal. 1-0 U.S. Canada, though, on the power play. Brianne Jenner's shot squeezes through the goalie. Sarah Nurse going hard to the net. Will poke in the loose puck. Ties at 1-1 before the end of the first. Canadian uh, defense 
Men will fall down, and that allows Kendall Coyne Schofield to go in and make a nice five-hole dig. 2-1 Americans after one. But in the second, that Canadian power play strikes again. Bridget Laquette with the wrister, and Brianne Jenner just got a piece of it on the deflection. Her goal ties it at two. But later in the second, U.S. on the power play this time, and Annie Pankowski pancakes this one home. 3-2 the final, USA wins, but it's just the round robin. They will likely meet for gold later on in the tournament. Last night, Giants and Victoria Royals, first game of their second round Western League playoff series from Langley. Giants continue to alternate their goalies in the playoffs. Trent Miner has played all the home games. He stopped all 15 shots he faced. Another solid effort. Giants open the scoring. Bowen Byram keeps it in and then sets up Davis Kosh, who makes a brilliant move there to score. 1-0 Vancouver after one. And it will stay that way into the third. Jared Dimitru with the steal right here and finishes nicely on Griffin Outhouse. Dawson Holt added the empty netter. Giants take game one, three nothing. They really shut the Royals down, holding them to the 15 shots. Game two tonight, seven o'clock at the LEC. And staying on the ice, World Men's Curling from Lethbridge, Canada and Switzerland in the semis. Kevin Cooey beat Scotland 6-5 earlier today to get to this game, second end. Open draw for two, he's got it, and it's very early. 2-0 Canada in the third. The winner gets defending champ Nicholas Eden of Sweden for gold tomorrow. Welcome back. The Whitecaps are still looking for their first win of the season. They are now 0-4-1 after falling 2-0 to Zlatan Ibrahimovic and the LA Galaxy last night. And Zlatan came as advertised, scoring one goal and setting up another as the Caps continue to dig a deep hole early this MLS season. Zlatan, 25 goals in his first 29 MLS games, just playing his second ever MLS game on turf. Caps, glorious chance early from the penalty spot, but... Ali Adnan's cheeky effort is saved. Now, those are great if they go in. They're deflating and embarrassing if they don't, and Adnan should be embarrassed for that. 19th minute, Galaxy defenders bobbling the ball. Joaquin Ardaiz is stopped. Glorious chance there. So the Caps had their opportunities. Could have had two in the first half. They had none, and L.A. capitalized on his chances. Ibrahimovic sending it to Daniel Sterez, who will convert. Ibrahimovic on the setup in the 63rd minute and Galaxy are up 1-0. Zlatan knows he's done well. Galaxy got two quick ones. This time it's Ibrahimovic doing what he does best, just poaching in the box and firing it in. Caps' bad start continues, still winless this season. 2-0 the final in this one for L.A. Let's hear from the man who's never at a loss for words, Zlatan. Nah. It was, was a good game, fantastic atmosphere. Thanks to all the people that came out and hopefully they enjoyed the game. And uh, it was a good game for us also, especially second half. And, uh, and we keep winning, keep bringing the confidence with us. So it was a good day today. I mean, I'm against turf also. Turf, I mean, football was built up on normal grass and turf is coming more and more. So. I'm totally against the turf, but I said I would come and play, and this turf was better than the other ones I've been playing on in MLS, let's say. All right, FA Cup semi-final, Manchester City taking on Brighton Hove Albion. Watford meets Wolverhampton tomorrow in the other semi. City took all of four minutes to get on the board. Kevin De Bruyne, perfect service, crossed into the box, beautifully finished by Gabriel Jesus. 
And that was the only goal of the match. So Manchester City moves into the FA Cup final. They await the winner of Watford and Wolves, who do play tomorrow at 8 a.m. our time. Valero, Texas Open, round three from San Antonio. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor at the par 3 13th, playing a sturdy 221 yards today. And this is something special. He's going to need a new pair of pants because he's got a hole in one. That's right, I said it. Taylor at four under, tied 46th. Thanks to the ace and Surrey's Adam Spenson, 52nd at minus three. A fellow Canadian, Corey Connors of Ontario, though, almost gets an ace of his own. This on the par three, third just missed going in, but a tap in birdie. So Connors, who's uh, from Ontario, is in the hunt. Just one back of the lead at 11 under. At the seventh, another par three for Connors, 171 yards. And again, great tee shot. Ball takes the slope and ends up just 21 inches from the hole. Another birdie. And he is tied for the lead. Then at the 12th, delicate putt. Knocks it in for another birdie. Connors had to Monday qualify just to get in the tournament, trying to become the first Monday qualifier to win in the PGA Tour in a decade. And one more great shot from Corey. Tee shot at 16, sticks it to three feet. He had three deuces on the par threes today. One shot behind leader Siwoo Kim. They will play in the final group tomorrow in San Antonio. And baseball today, yeah, Blue Jays in Cleveland. Toronto struggling, as many thought they would. One win in their last six. Didn't get any better today. Thomas Pannone surrenders the two-run single to Jake Bowers. 4-0 Cleveland. One bright spot for the Jays. This solo homer by Freddie Galvis. But the Jays lose again. 7-2 the final as they drop to 3-7 on the season. To a Vancouver Island library 42 years late. Well, a global viewer saw that story and matched it with his own overdue book. <laughs> 42 years ago, Gino Sigliano was a student at Lockdale Community School in Burnaby. While going through some of his mother's stuff recently, he came across an old library book borrowed from the school. The Winnie the Pooh Party Book was in good condition despite its tattered cover. Gino decided to join the trend of returning extremely late books and brought his find to the school library secretary on the first day of spring break. Not surprisingly, it smashed the school's previous record of, get this, four years for a return late. Oh, I was really surprised for one thing that it was still relatively intact after all these years. He said it was in a storage box. So, yeah, 42 years is a very long time. The condition of the book is a bit tattered, as uh, Ms. Palmer mentioned, so I'm going to really have to make sure that we keep care of it, uh, but better, you know, safe than sorry. And now that at least we have it uh, back in our collection, we'll take care of it. Aww. Great and story. Better late than never, too, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we leave you tonight with a scene at the Vancouver Art Gallery this afternoon of a major pillow fight marking International mm -hmm. Pillow Fight Day. Did you know? So in the meantime, have a great evening. We'll see you back here at 11.